Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with BBC Six Music DJ Chris Hawkins. Before we get into it, I'd just like to play you a bit of this. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Begin at the beginning. You were here to pass the time. The sound of a sleeping city made you feel alive A thousand hearts and caring Afraid to meet you right A single point of reference That you were trying to find Though it was all you had You were still sad you never will look back You never had to hide That was a sample of my new song, Listen In, which was released on the 1st of August. You can get access to a free download of the song by joining my mailing list. I'm also running an ultimate mixtape challenge. Create a listen-in playlist with my new song Listen In as the first track on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube or wherever you listen to your music. Send me a link or a photo of your playlist and I'll share it. There's a prize for the mixtape I think has the best songs. There's details of all of that on my website, robertlaymusic.co.uk, where you will also find information about this podcast and the previous guests I've spoken to. I've been getting some great feedback about the podcast and it's fantastic to hear from you. It'd mean a lot to me if you could subscribe, rate and review it on your preferred podcast provider as doing that encourages the algorithms to push it to more people. It's also very handy when I'm talking to potential future guests as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. Here's my conversation with Chris Hawkins. Hi Chris, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for having me, Robert. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. I was just mentioned before we started actually that when I'm driving my wife to work first thing in the morning you're one of the things that helps me feel a little bit aligned for that kind of couple of hours first thing so I don't know how how it is for you what time have you got to be there at that studio in order to do that show I so the show is done from Media City in Salford and I arrive at around about quarter past five wow and uh, so we have we have about half an hour of uh, talking through the show and what we're going to do and uh, tying up any loose ends that haven't been prepared already and then we're on air at six amazing and it's every day isn't it it is every day yeah the the show is the show is every day i'll leave it at that uh, <laughs> so the weekends may or may may not always Life. I'm with you. Okay, great. And how has the lockdown affected things? Have you been regularly still at the studios? Have you done anything from home? I've done bits from home, but but not the the, the six music show. That's that's remained at uh, what what is now a very quiet media city by comparison with the normal times, where there are thousands of BBC and ITV and and, and other staff uh, working all across the, the site and uh, in recent 
weeks and months it's been a very different place to work it's been been very quiet eerily so at times yes i can imagine and have you found that the audience has changed at all because i I'd guess that first thing in the morning show generally in normal circumstances a lot of commuters and stuff those commuters maybe haven't been commuting have you had a different kind of audience do you think yeah i i think it's been a, a fascinating time to to have, have worked through in in radio it's uh the relationship with the audience, I, I don't think, has, has ever been closer. It, it's something that I, it's what attracted me to radio in the first place was the the idea of uh, of talking. It's a one on one medium, talking directly to to anyone who's listening. This has been a time when there have been a lot of people on their own. There have been a lot of people who have been having a difficult time with their mental health with with sleeping and so i think uh it's been a a time when uh, we at at this end if you like have felt extremely close to the audience and and we we've shared a a journey and experience a time like no other so it it has been very much a, a case of me waking up like everybody else not knowing what the news is is gonna hold and and then trying to make sense of it and I think part of my role has been to to try and distract I suppose from from what's going on in the news and and form a kind of united front with the audience and 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 that it's been a real two-way street you know Mm. and how difficult is that you know you get those news reports every hour every half an hour when these quite catastrophic things can be happening at the moment and then you're there in between playing tunes and chatting and maybe trying to keep things light how difficult has that been well it it, you know puts into perspective what we do at at six music playing pop music on the radio and and talking in the gaps um i think it's been a case of trying to to provide a sense of understanding uh, of what's going on and and to to comprehend and digest fast-moving changes to the world in which we're living and 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 the music to to I think try and play I think for the most part pretty upbeat feel good music that either might have a nostalgia factor mm. uh, or brand new exciting new music just even if it's just for a few minutes of each show where you can hopefully just take listeners' minds off off the seriousness of of everything that's going on around them in the world. And one of the very cool things about Six Music I find as a listener is that. It's so wide. You can play stuff that people haven't heard for 20 or 30 years that they like. You do play the the very famous stuff that we all know, but then also DJs have an opportunity to play something that they kind of discovered, I guess, in a different way, which isn't the case. I don't think it ever was, but certainly at the moment isn't so much the case on a lot of national radio. No, and uh, this is to not be disrespectful of any other station, but I don't think there is anywhere else uh, outside of six music where djs are, are given the full reign and control of, of what we play and uh, so i think that the the most important part of my job and my colleagues at six music as, as other djs i think uh, our job is to handpick that music as carefully as possible and in the case of a morning show that a lot of that choosing is done the day or in days before the show. So the adjustments and the, the changes and, and, and last minute conversations before the show goes on air 
are about whether we have actually been right in our picks. So we can make changes whilst we're on air and often do, not, not even occasionally. We often make changes as we go along. But it's about playing, yeah, the we play it old songs, 50, 60 years old. So some of those Stones and Beatles tunes, uh, you know, are, are, are old now. And uh, I think our job is to, to find the right mix, find the right blend. And, and it's as exciting, I think, playing something new to on the radio is, is like the greatest of thrills, introducing someone to a new band. It's just like being in the pub and saying, you've got to hear this band. You know, they are awesome. The Mysterines are the best new band in Liverpool, so. And it's, that's really exciting, introducing someone to what might be their new favourite band. But it's also a, a great thrill to play, say, an old... Uh, le- less obvious Tom Waits song, mm. something from a Tom Waits album where, you, where your audience m- might think, oh, I, I love that. I, I, I didn't even know. I maybe didn't n- know Tom Waits, but certainly didn't know this album. And so uh, that that's, uh, sense of discovery of old music uh, is as exciting, I think, as playing something brand new. Which is great. And I was listening this morning, you had the lost love thing. So it's like something maybe people do know, but they've forgotten that they know. And then you have this quite diverse reaction to that. People who wish they could have carried on forgetting it. And then people who are so pleased it's got played again. Yeah, that's right. You're referring to um, to, to playing gay dad this morning. That's a great line, by the way. I think I'll I'll take that if that's all right. What did you say? Uh, An old song that they didn't. That, something like they, they they had forgotten they knew and some of them wish they could still yeah. forget it. That kind of yeah, thing. something like that. The idea is that, uh, you know, there's a song um, that you haven't heard or even thought about for years and you wonder if it's if it stood the test of time or not. And my job is to play it and then see what uh, fellow audience members think. And uh, and it's great getting that reaction because first of all the reaction is is huge, um, and and often not always positive. And I think that's a, an, another unique six music factor. You know, the ability to actually say something's not great, whereas on say some commercial stations, the job is to sell, sell, sell the pop music that they're playing. But we don't have to feel quite so. Um, enthusiastic about everything especially if a, a, a discerning six music listener has, has selected a song it, it's quite nice to be able to say now nah, you're wrong it, it was rubbish then and rubbish now <laughs> and i guess there's counter to that as well is that you can you can play stuff without the fear of thinking it needs to be popular with everybody who's listening which i think is the case sometimes on a show we can't have people turning off because i don't think your audience will necessarily no, and I think it's a, a great demonstration of why music is so subjective. You know, what if we all like the same stuff? God, the world would be a, a very d- dull and boring place, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's something that's come up when I spoke to people for this podcast quite a bit, really. Because when I started out doing music and other stuff, I, it's this idea that you're going to create something that's going to be so good and no one can deny it. They might not like yeah. it that much, but, it's so good. but of course, that's not what creativity and art is about you actually want to make something that some people think is fabulous and other people can't bear because the reaction of yeah it was all right is the worst possible one with an uh, artistic endeavor i think yeah uh, i'm not keen on the term but but it's a broad church uh th- that of six music and and even more broadly music you know um we all like different stuff but i think what's amazing about six music and about the six music audience is that generally uh 
we, and I count myself as a six music listener, so I, I can say we, we are very open ear to anything new, something that perhaps is, is not what we would normally consider to be to our taste or might challenge our music tastes. Yeah, which is, you know, I think about the way that music goes a lot. There's a danger of the, that getting lost a bit, I think, because if people are consuming their music through streaming sites, there's that really handy little tool where the site will find stuff that's like stuff you already like, which on the one hand is great because it makes life quite easy, but then you're not being exposed to something on the radio that is completely unlike what you've listened to before and suddenly discovering something very new. Yeah, that's very, that's a, a great point. You know, I think streaming services, they do an amazing job. They, they are awesome at uh, working out what you, what you like. But I think that algorithms are ever more sophisticated and smart, mm. but they don't have love. They, they are not made, they can't provide that love that um, hopefully a DJ can can provide that passion and what's really lovely i think about six as well is that each of those shows does have its own identity through the host but also through the listenership as well yeah i i think so i mean it's six music is you know an amazing place to work because we, we're all we all get on really well and we're brought together by one common factor but uh, i think i get tips from other djs from talking to them from texts or or sharing of, of links, but also from listening, you know, yeah. just listening to other shows. I wonder if you could sort of give us a, a, a brief little outline of how you ended up at Six and, and the sort of places you've been through and the hustle that's been involved to get there. I mentioned that I I had a, a love of radio from a very young age and uh, – and, and that was from being a, a little kid. I was fascinated by radio as a medium. I was an ardent listener to, to lots of radio. And, and I remember my parents' first hi-fi, which had a plug-in microphone, and I would make fake radio shows and with, the, with the cassette, cassette tapes, yep. play the music in clumsily. Uh, in between me pretending to be a DJ and occasionally forcing my two sisters to be interviewees <laughs> and and then got got into making mixtapes whilst all the time listening to favourite DJs on the radio and did some hospital radio in Shropshire, where I'm from, and then did work experience at BBC Radio Shropshire. And it was at a time when after two weeks you could just carry on hanging around if you were happy to make the tea. And no one really asked who you were and why you were there. You just hung, hung around. As long as you carried on bringing the tea, they were happy for you to be there. Exactly, yeah. The tea was essential. And, and then I managed to start working on a couple of programmes, answering the phones, doing some research, and then did a bit of on-air on air work and... Uh, and then wanted to go to university in a, a town or city where there was a good radio station and Radio Nottingham uh, had had a great track record, uh, not least Simon Mayo, Matthew Bannister and Trevor Dan uh, had all come out of Radio Nottingham. Uh, Simon Mayo speaks for himself. Matthew Bannister and Trevor Dan were the, were the guys that transformed Radio One and, and moved it forward in a, in a big way in the 90s. And so I, I 
did what I could to find contacts from Radio Nottingham and, and got got in the door there and stayed through my university years and went to university in Nottingham just because of the radio station in Nottingham. And, and whilst I was at university, was doing shifts, um, anything and everything at, at Radio Nottingham. But mainly I, I read the sports news and then got given a Saturday afternoon show during my second year at university, which turned into lunchtime in my third year. And I remember leaving uh, exams in my third year, my finals, early to, to go and do either sports reading shifts or do shows on, on the radio. It was always much more important to me than my degree course, but I did know that I, I wanted to get that degree, which I just about scraped with a 2-2. And then I stayed in Nottingham for around about nine months a year after and wanted to then be at GLR, which was the BBC station for London, where... Chris Evans, Chris Morris, Danny Baker, all of these luminaries all did shows. And I was determined that, that I would work there. And uh, I wrote to them lots and established contacts there. And my girlfriend at the time, her sister lived in London and uh, used to send me tapes of Gideon Coe's show. Uh, Gideon Coe, who I now work with uh, at Six Music, I was a, a huge fan before we became friends. And actually, I'm godfather to his son, and he's godfather to my daughter now. And uh, we we worked together at GLR, this amazing station based at Marylebone High Street in London, where the names on air and just coming in in and out of the station on a regular basis was was really quite extraordinary. Uh, and I worked there up until it ended and, and became a station called London Live. At that time, uh, I got contacted by the boss of Radio 2, which was uh, starting to get a little younger as the station, and asked if I would like to do some cover shows. So I did some weekend cover on Radio 2, which turned into a lot of cover, and, and, and then started covering the evenings and uh, nighttime shows. And at that time, Six Music was about to start, and I was one of the the two test presenters for what Six Music has become. So we would make fake shows, and we would uh, work on how the station would sound. and And I've been at Six Music since it started. Fantastic. There's a couple of things I'd like to pick up on that really. So you first of all, mention the thing with Gideon. Then what's what's that like when you're a fan of some because this is you're saying earlier about radio it's a one-on-one thing you're you're getting it broadcast into your car or into the house while you're doing the washing up or whatever it is or on the school run you get this very personal relationship with someone perhaps even more than on television because it's it's just voice in your imagination so if you've got somebody like that that you're the you're a fan of and then suddenly you're working with them and then they're a friend that must be quite a or is it not it seems like it would be a fairly surreal situation actually for a while yeah it's a kind of uh, big don't meet your heroes kind of uh, <laughs> a situation. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I was young. I was like, you know, barely 20 and um, life's not as stressful then, is it? So I suppose you think less about uh, about what that experience might be like. And, uh, and we, we became friends pretty quickly. He knew how much I, I loved radio and, mm. and that was important to him and, and loved music. So, uh, yeah, it was weird the first time I covered for him. Um, because uh, I couldn't quite believe that this this guy who I loved on the radio so much, um, I was getting to do his show. So 
I, I guess um, there were icebreaker moments probably over quite a lot of beer. In the, There was a pub opposite uh, GLR called The Cheese Dish, or it was nicknamed The Cheese Dish. And uh, if you ever needed to find the editor or, or the boss, uh, he or she would pretty much always be, be in that. So you'd go and have your, your work meetings in the pub. There was quite a big pub culture around that station. And that leads on to something else I've wondered about, actually, is how much, apart from changing stations and stuff, how much radio in general has changed over the years and with the technology, but also just the relationship with the audience. Because, you know, a lot of people would make the point now that there's so many different things that people could consume outside of national broadcast radio. How has that changed things? And is it are we in a positive place with it at the moment? I think radio's in a, in a fantastic place. Um, I don't think... Uh, that News Corp, The Times, you know, would not have, have launched on such a big scale if they didn't think there was a big future in radio. Um, I think that, uh, you know what, it, it hasn't, I don't think it's changed that much. I think, you know, the, the lie of the land may have changed, mm. but the medium, I don't think, has, has, has really changed at all. I think that, you know, it's a real one-on-one experience. I've, I've said that already, but I think that that's really key. I think that uh, you as DJ host are merely, you're like just the person that is, you're like a middleman almost, you know. You, you are just, you happen to be a voice. But that voice is, it's a one-on-one experience because you are only ever talking to one person. Even if one person happens to be listening with others, you are still only talking to one person. And I think that has to be, certainly it used to be always at the forefront of mind. It becomes, I guess, subconscious as, as you do it for longer, but um, it's still the most important factor, I would say, in radio presentation is remembering that you, you are talking to one person. And I was wondering about areas where um, the, the creativity of presenting a radio show crosses over with other things. So I think you've done bits of acting as well. It says on your Twitter bio something about doctors. Creativity is probably stretching it a bit. <laughs> well, okay. well, what I mean is when you're on that show, and you've, the main thing that comes to me is when you're um, reacting to things that maybe have gone wrong, a bit of kit. Um, the wrong thing happens, that an interview is not going as well as you might want. I'm sure these things never happen to you now. But I'm oh, sure no, they, they, happen all, they happen all the time. But um, So that's that's a bit like improv, which is something that I've been involved in, where it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you just cope with it anyway. Yeah, I think listeners love hearing stuff go wrong. Um, but it's quite frustrating, um, you know, when you're, you're in the chair, knowing how to deal with it. I remember um, one producer was trying to change the music order around and accidentally deleted all of the music for the show whilst we were on air. Excellent. That was quite hard to deal with. Um, that involved quite a lot of talking about nothing for quite a long time. <laughs> and uh, I've been on OBs when the lines have gone down and that's frustrating or interviews where you've got names muddled up, confused. Um, that's always a bit of a test for the person that you're interviewing as to whether they correct you or how they go about it. I remember at Radio Nottingham, I was a young reporter interviewing Punt and Dennis. They'd come to a theatre in Nottingham and I was doing a, a preview piece 
with them and I accidentally I leant over as the mic went live and knocked a glass of orange juice over one of their coats and rather than taking it in good part you know for whatever reason they they decided to get quite angry about it and make oh, quite right. a scene on the radio and also asked me to pay for the dry cleaning and bearing in mind I was a student at the time and uh, working for very little cash at the BBC um, I remember that was particularly fretful I remember doing a at Radio Nottingham that third year that I mentioned when I was presenting the Drive Time show, we did it live from Sutton in Ashfield, Christmas lights switch on, and I was on stage and there was a gathered audience that the switching on of the Christmas lights would mark the start of Christmas shopping. And um, the studio threw to me and said, Chris is live now in Sutton in Ashfield. Uh, Chris, how's it going? And this was all in the build-up to the lights being turned on that, that, that Christmas. And I, I, um, I, I said, yeah, great. The audience here, the crowd is gathered, all poised, ready to spend some cash and, and do the, start their Christmas shopping. Uh, we're going to have a quick run-through now, um, and then you can rejoin us for the big switch-on. And so the studio took control back, and, and off-air, I, I said to the audience, right, let's make this cheer the biggest cheer uh, imaginable and let's let's really make Sutton in Ashfield sound alive and get excited and so we did a rehearsal of the countdown the majority of the the crowd assumed it was the countdown a councillor turned on the Christmas lights the crowd dispersed the studio threw back to me and there was no one there for the actual <laughs> countdown <laughs> so um you know what dealing with those situations it you know it is a test but it's fun because it's live you know, it's it's um, it's real life. If if I've had a bad night's sleep, then I tend not to try and bang on about it too much. But you know, everyone is very understanding. I I'm on air at six a.m. You know, it, the, you've not said very much in in the day before then, so the audience are very understanding of that sort of waking up with you. You know, and the, and the coffee kicking in, and it eventually, hopefully, becomes a little bit more fluid as the morning goes on. I compare it, I guess, to being on stage and the guitar string breaking or some bit of kit breaking down. And like when you do that at your first couple of gigs where that happens, it's it, it can floor you. But by the time you've played a few thousand hours of performances, it's oh, it's just another one of the things that happens. And it's very much that thing of the worst thing that could ever possibly happen has already happened to me at some point, <laughs> short of passing out or dying on stage. So I can cope with it. And, you know, you'll have... St- Many many hours of broadcasting. That does that is that the same? Like you know that you're going to handle it, whatever happens. Yeah, you've got it exactly right. You know, you are you either in the in the moment you you decide whether to dwell on it um, mm-hmm. because you can't think of any other way of, of dealing with the situation, or you can just about brush over it and, and move on. Uh, you mentioned um, doctors, and I've talked about the idea of. Uh, you, you know, you get to know someone on the radio because you, even if you don't particularly like them, they, they can still be part of your daily routine. You kind of listen because you love to hate them. I, I've got, there are presenters that I do that with on talk stations, for example. And uh, I, I was talking about doctors a lot and, and audience members were saying, well, actually, because we work the same sort of hours as you, we also see quite a lot of daytime TV. So we also love watching doctors and and they got in touch that the show the tv show got in touch and said did i want to do a cameo so i played a doctor in doctors twice in two episodes a couple of years back and uh 
and then went over to, to the, the set and we did a series of interviews with the cast and, and the crew there. It was great. Oh, that's great. So it's a bit of Jump in the Shark by Doctors a little bit, actually. So these two worlds <laughs> crossed because they had a similar, it's like Friends in London. Yeah, well, actually, it was uh, interesting. You, you say that, that uh, they, because I'd been talking about them, they'd been listening in, you know, in the green room and in their dressing rooms, listening to the show. So it was kind of nice to go there and um, and meet them. And, and they were really, they are the most adorable cast and crew you could ever wish to meet, really hardworking. And, and I still, I loved the show. And there's a West Midlands link as well, isn't there? Because they're they're filming Birmingham, and you're Shropshire based originally. Yeah, I'm from uh, North Shropshire, and and some of the uh, early shows that I did on Radio Two were done from from Pebble Mill, where Doctors was originally, and it, it's moved now. But uh, yeah, I have very fond memories of uh, of Pebble Mill, and as a uh, you know a kid going being taken shopping at the the Bull Ring Centre, the old Bull Ring Centre, and. Um, being in Birmingham, yeah. Going to football games as well. I'm a big Shrewsbury Town fan, so going to Villa Park or to Birmingham or Wolves, yeah. Great. Um, okay, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. That's been really fascinating. Obviously, people can catch your show, but if they wanted to to find out some more stuff about what you were doing, is Twitter probably the best place to do that? Yeah, not a lot else going on at the moment, you know. <laughs> so, the, the yes, the show is every morning on six music and i do try and you know that it's finding that fine line between shouting about yourself and and um and and sharing stuff that you think followers might find interesting but yeah i um pretty much keep keep things up to date on social media too yeah i guess people soon let you know if you are um yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, they do um but uh no, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Robert. Really uh, could have carried on uh, if my dog wasn't scratching at the door, desperate to be taken out this morning. Then perhaps we could have talked for longer, and we could do this again sometime. That'd be great. Thank you so much for taking the time, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch, let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you, till next time, goodbye.